you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. All right, good morning, everybody. Um, our pastor, Pastor Mark, is off island right now. So um, on his behalf, I'll be speaking today. And I'm not Pastor Mark, but Manila. <laughs> Uh, but uh, for those who are uh, maybe new um, to the church, first time visiting, um, one of the things we hope you'd remember about our church, we pray you remember, is uh, our purpose for being on Guam, and that's to honor God, first of all. So it's to honor God and to make disciples in Micronesia and beyond. So if there's anything that you remember about us, uh, may it be that, and uh, we'll have done our job. Um, uh, okay, so jumping on. Um, it's a strange transition, but um, back in 2013, there was a major motion picture film that came out in the fall, starring Mark Wahlberg, and it was a, the, the name of the movie was a Lone Survivor, okay? Um, some of you might have watched it, and um, it's a, a fairly graphic film, both uh, visually and, and uh, verbally, so if I were to... Um, show us a clip in church, it would look like this because I have to mute it all and then I have to take out all the, all the, the imagery. So th this is our clip of the film. But I'll, um, I'll go ahead and um, just, um, I'm not just giving a random shout out to the movie. This, there's a, there's um, a principle to the movie that I, I think is, is uh, really endearing. It's, um, so not to give away too much because now some of you might want to rent it after we mentioned it. <laughs> But it's a story about um, a soldier, and he goes on a mission with his brothers. I think there's about five of them. And um, you know they're highly skilled, highly trained, probably the best in the world at what they do. Um, circumstances change in the, in, in the movie. It's based on a true story, and I can't speak on the actual events itself, but I'm just talking about what I saw in the movie. So um, they go on, circumstances change, and he gets to a point where his friends, his brothers are no longer with him, and all the great skill he's gained from you know, world-class training and missions has gotten him so far, but he's gotten to the point where he's no longer able to save himself, and he's in a position where when it finally comes down to life and death, what saves him is the grace of another who goes out and helps him without even needing to, and um, just remember that, grace, okay? And um, in general, grace is described um, as our computer tech, as um, undeserved favor, promise, and pr uh, provision and protection. Undeserved, okay? So um, keep this in mind as uh, I'm going to take us through uh, two particular stories in, in the Bible, one in the Old Testament, and then I'll come jump into the future, into the New Testament. But um, there are some similarities that I'd like to share. Okay, so uh, starting off, we'll go back to the book of Judges, um, specifically Judges chapter 19. And um, just before, um, before I um, jump too far, um, Judges, in Judges there's a story where um, it's probably one of the more graphic stories in the Bible, one of the more brutal ones. You can call it tragic in a way. Um, it's in, but just to open up the scene of what the situation is in Judges, in, ju in chapter 19, verse 1, it starts out with saying, In those days, Israel had no king. And having that in mind, 
Um, um, I'll tell you the story. Um, there's uh, a portion of this, but what leads up to this part, what leads up to this passage that you're reading now is, um, it's a story about, it's a strange description of the lady, but you can call her an unfaithful concubine. I don't know, that's kind of odd. But, um, so she's an unfaithful concubine, and she flees from her, she flees from her master to her father's house. So the, the master, who calls himself her husband, he goes after her like, hey, I want my unfaithful concubine back. And he goes to the father's house, and he finally gets her, and his intention is to travel back, and his exact words are, we're going to travel back to the house of the Lord. So he takes her, and they're going through cities, and they come into this one city where no one offers them any shelter except this one man. And uh, he eventually does. He takes both him, the man, and his concubine into his home. And then that night, some um, men from the city come to the house, and uh, they start um, in mob fashion. They say, um, hey, you have a guest in there. Um, bring him out to us so we may know him. And when they use the word know, that's like a, like an, a perverse sexual connotation. And, and the, the old man says, no, no, don't do this. Again, remember, this is a land with no king. So the, the old man's reasoning is, um, no, don't harm him, he's my guest, but take my daughter instead. And take um, this man's concubine. And you see, just see the condition of the mind of this man, the mind of a person who lives in a land with no king. Okay? Um, when, and it leads up to this point. So he says, don't do this thing. He, he, so they send out, um, thank God they don't send out the man's daughter, but they send out um, the other man's concubine. And the man, it goes into this um, scene where they, they abuse her throughout the night. And it's not until daybreak where they finally release her. And um, when, upon releasing her, she, with the last energy she has, she moves towards the home where she knows her master is. But she doesn't make it. She dies right at the front door. Um, the Bible says she's reaching, her hands just on the threshold, reaching for the door from behind she knows where her master is. And living in a land with no king, that's the closest thing she has to a king, is the man who she calls her master but she didn't make it, okay? Now, um, again, so with that story, um, what's the significance of a king? Okay, um, if, if a land has a good king, the king's purpose is to provide leadership, order, peace, truth, unity, all of the things that were lacking in that story. There was disorder. You see the mob you know, giving in to their desires, and that's what rules them because they have no king. Um, and then Judges, this is the very last uh, verse in Judges, and the, the writer made it very clear. It says, in those days, Israel had no king, and everyone did as he saw fit. And this is the condition of what it is when the land has no king, when a person has no king. All you do, you just do what's fit to you. You know, the, the old man in the house, that made sense to him. Oh, this is the right thing to do. I'll give my daughter and this man's concubine so they can leave my guest alone. And to him, I mean... Hey, he didn't know any better. Uh, without a king, who else would he follow but himself? So now we jump forward 1,100 years later to the book of John. Um, I'll be sharing a story that's probably um, one of the most popular stories in the Bible in John chapter 8. But in opening up John, in John chapter 1, verse 49, 
um, Jesus, is, um, Jesus comes across, uh, I believe it's Nathaniel, and Nathaniel declares, Jesus, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Oh, the big difference. Now you see the difference between uh, the story in John and the difference between the story in Judges, where in the previous story, no king, and now let's see what happens when now the true king is on, walking on earth. So um, um, I left a text for you, but I can, I can um, uh, summarize the story where um, this is a story where Jesus is out in the courts. And um, this story, I, it's um, some kind of parallel with the old story because it has the same character almost, uh, an unfaithful, adulterous woman, same as the story in, in Judges. In this story, the Pharisees capture her, uh, capture her in the very act of adultery, and, and they bring her to the court, um, and they bring him towards Jesus. And just as the men abused the woman in the first story, the men are in some way abusing her here because they're just using her to, in an attempt to trap Jesus. You know, so they bring him up, and they say, um, now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, if any of you, without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down, and he started to write on the ground again. And at this, they started to, to leave little by little. And uh, this is the part where uh, I'd like us to focus on. In chapter 11, he, he, he goes down, and this is probably one of the more beautiful stories that um, I encountered the more I read it. And he, he must have looked her straight in the eye, and he said, Look around. Where are the people that condemned you? And then she looks and she says, um, they're gone, Lord. And he says, neither do I. Neither do I condemn you. And when Jesus speaks, he uses words that are simple, but when you look deeper into the words, just because of who he is, you expect more out of it. So when you look at condemn, it means to disapprove, to oppose, to blame, to punish, to doom, to declare guilty, to prove to be wrong, and to declare unfit for use. So when Jesus saying this to her, he says, look around, where are those people who are so against you? And she says, they're gone. Well, he says, okay. This is what he really said to her. I don't disapprove of you. I don't oppose you. I don't blame you. I don't punish you. I don't doom you. I don't declare you guilty. I don't prove you to be wrong. And I'm not here to declare you unfit for use. Just him saying this definitely changed her life. And I know it changed the world just by saying this. Here are these men who had every right by the law to, to destroy this woman. You know, they, they brought her out. Physically, she must have been already beaten. Definitely, emotionally, she was harmed. Physically, spiritually, she was probably felt unfit to be even in the face of Jesus. But for him to to kneel down to her and say, look at her in the eye, say, I don't disapprove of you. And this is the difference when you have a king in your land. This is the purpose of a king. No, you, you see the difference between uh, what happened in Judges. So, he says this to her, um, and then he goes on to say, go and sin no more. And uh, taking this at the surface, you know, you might think, oh, go and sin no more. 
um, you might just think it means to leave. Um, but so I, I looked in, uh, into Hebrew. Okay. Um, there are three different words for go. The first one is nadad, and that means to depart. But I don't believe he used this word, because if he just said, okay, depart, go and sin no more, uh, that's against his character. That, that's just like saying, okay, get out of here and don't sin anymore. That's the same as condemning her, and he just told her, I don't condemn you. So I know he didn't use that word. Another word for it is um, athak, okay? and that is to proceed. Um, and I don't believe this fits either, what, what he said to her. But the word that I do believe he used for go is this. It's called Yaman. Hebrew, not Jamaican. Okay? It's a... It's a so, it's a Hebrew word for go. And, you know, just seeing the word go and sin no more, you think, okay, yeah, I know what he means. But when you see what's at the heart of this word, I, it'll just totally change your thinking of what he said to her. And in Hebrew, yaman means to go to or to choose the right. When he says right here, maybe he doesn't necessarily mean right and wrong, but in a way, it's a literal right. Like, this is the left. Choose the right. And what's significant about the right? Jesus says, choose the right and sin no more. In, in Hebrew culture, the right side is the more favored side, just as in some other cultures where they say the left hand is the evil hand or something. But, but that's not true, because my daughter is left-handed. And she's good. So, so, <laughs> so he says, choose the right. And what does this mean? And I think this is where um, this whole message, I'd like us to pull it all together. Uh, when, we, when you go back to Psalms that David wrote, the man who, who tr- went after God's heart, um, some lessons ago, um, we, we were taught that God's heart is Christ. Okay? So we're going back. So Yaman, go, means Yaman, choose the right. In Psalms, 16.8, it says, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Again in Psalms, 73.23, Yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. And he says, choose the right. Psalm 121.5, The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. And this one, which speaks almost specifically to, exact, to her exact situation, in Psalm 109.31, this is almost like a prophetic fulfillment of this. For he will stand at the right hand of the needy to save him from them that condemn his soul. So here she was, surrounded by men who were out to condemn her. And Jesus stood at her right and saved her from them. And so he says to her, go and sin no more. Yaman, choose the right. He's not saying choose these things. Choose, the right is Jesus. He's saying go, choose me and sin no more. So, I mean, looking at the scripture, you can just say even deeper the way he used the word condemn. He the right. He says go, don't be shaken and sin no more. Go, I'll always be with you. Sin no more. Go, I'll always watch over you and protect you. Sin no more. Go, I'll save you. Sin no more. Okay. 
So now, with all this, what does this mean? Um, in this part, I guess I could speak to um, you directly, to those of us already in the church who have chosen Christ and who declare that you know my purpose is to imitate him, imitate him in this. When you come to a moment where you encounter a brother or a sister or even someone who doesn't know him yet, our natural response is sometimes so wrong. You know, the way we speak to them will make them feel even more guilt than they already feel. And that's not what Christ wants for us. So those of us who are in the church, choose the right. Build them up, encourage them the way Christ did. Um, nurture them um, the way he did when he said, look around, I don't condemn you. And then urge them forward, say, choose a life that's right. Choose the right. Yaman, right? And, uh, so, so and insist, you know, we're not asked to live a perfect life, but all Christ wants for us is to surrender our lives to a perfect king. Okay? And, and for those of you who are, are hearing this, and maybe you might think that this Christ you're speaking about, I don't know him, you know, I don't, I don't know him the way you're describing him. All I can encourage you to do is try not, don't be deceived by the common lie that's in this world that God is out there standing on the side, just waiting for us to mess up so he can say, you see, you're not holy. Don't believe the lie that says God is there to accuse you, to tell you how wrong you are. But look at the example that Christ gave when he said, I don't condemn you. I don't disapprove of you. He's speaking not only to her, but he's speaking to us because all of us can relate to that. You know, if we compare ourselves by our standards, it's easy to say, oh, yeah, I'm not an unfaithful concubine. But when you look at God's holiness and us, we're no better than any of those women in those stories. I know I'm no better. But it's only because we serve a perfect king that we can be saved and that we can live free. He says, go, live Live your life. Choose the right. Sin no more. You don't have to be bound by uh, the things of your past. You don't have to be bound by whatever shame you have. You don't have to be bound by what you think people say about you. You don't have to be bound by, you know, oh, yeah, I did this. I'm guilty. Christ himself says, no, you're not unfit for use. I still have use for you. I don't disapprove of you. I approve of you. And with that... Um, like I said, we're not asked to live a life that's perfect. Otherwise, we'd all fail. All we have to do is surrender our life to a perfect king. And with that, um, because of who he is, that'll make all the difference. Okay. And um, fade to black. So, uh, <laughs> um, so with that, um, before we close today, I, I believe we'll be, um, um, we'll just close with prayer. Or, okay.